0: Uh, we're just going to start to build on those three pegs that the Lord wants us to build on this year. Identity, purpose, and belonging, and love for the, or love for the church. And we're just going to start that journey this morning, and, and we're just going to build into this, and build into this, and build into this, and build into this until we think we might get it. Maybe even better than we think we've already got it. But we're just going to build into this. You know, I think it was about 1987, maybe 86, 1986, 87. I think John was just born then or something like that. You were born in 1983, there you go. Well, um, I was finishing high school and uh, <clears throat> at the time, and um, but uh, we, we were living at Petrie. And one of the things that we would do of an, of an evening is we had this little pool table downstairs in the main kind of... Uh, family room of the house. And at, at, at the end of every day, <clears throat> the pool table would act as the gathering point for everyone's junk. Wallets, keys, bags, sunglasses, just anything that you didn't find a home for, it went on the pool table because it was kind of in the middle of everything. And so um, we would always throw everything on the pool table. And anyway, my brother at this stage, he he'd just had his... Um, First vehicle, his first car, my older brother, and anyway, he owed, he owed dad some money on the, on the purchase of it, and he just, you know, got enough cash together, he'd saved up, and he'd, he'd, he'd just that afternoon given all of that to dad, and anyway, so everything, where does it go? On the pool table, including the cash, the cash goes on the pool table. Well, anyway, that night, we didn't know, we were completely unawares, but that night, our our home got broken into. And guess what they took? Everything off the pool table. Keys, wallets, cash, it just, you know, all that sort of stuff. Now, most of the bits and pieces gear we kind of found up, you know, uh, you know, just past the house up in the property sort of next door along the fence line. We found all wallets and stuff. But everything had been gone through and everything had been um, rummaged through, briefcases and stuff. And, but the, obviously the things that got t- taken was, was all the cash, you know. And um, one of the things that, um, I, I don't know if any of you have ever had your homes broken into, but one of the things that comes along with an experience like that is, now hang on, I was, I was asleep in my bed. And in fact, there was uh, six of us in the house, My grandmother was living at at, at the house as well. And someone came in. And someone came in without us knowing. And someone came in without our permission. And someone came and took our things. Now, um, if you've ever had that kind of experience, it, it can often leave you feeling vulnerable, anxious, nervous, but what really, really um, strikes is the fact that, you know, we've been robbed. We, we've been stolen from. We've been, we didn't invite them to come in, and they stole from us. Well, the, the good news of the gospel is, of, of the gospel of, of Jesus is, that God has come to restore everything that's been stolen from us, everything that we've has been ripped off from us, and I I want to start us where it really matters, not 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 in the external stuff, but the stuff that's in here, at the core of who we are. This is where we need to do some do some work, do some yards and look at where we've been robbed and ripped off by the, by the enemy, by the ki- works of the kingdom of darkness, and, and then discover the fact that, you know what? God loves us so much, he wants to restore to us what's been robbed, what's been robbed, what the enemy's stolen. And so that's what we want to um, sort of truck along with and, and, and get into. And, and namely... What we want to do is we want to get our identity restored, um, our true identity. When it comes to understanding who you are and I really am, the Bible tells us about our true identity. Not, 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 not hearsay. We're not interested in about hearsay. We're not interested in about, you know, worldly cultural perspectives. We're not interested in any of that. What we want to do is we want to get a good, solid Bible worldview on who we really are. Because, um, its I mean, this, this thing is either it's either the words of life to you or it's a fairy tale. And, and, and my hope is that as followers of Jesus, you would see this as, as life, a words of life, that you would eat this at every opportunity. You would devour the content that's in this, the wisdom and love of God that's here for us. To help us, to assist us, particularly in the area of our our, our identity. Who struggles to have a hunger for the Bible? Just get real, put your hand up. Keep them up. Holy Spirit, would you help us? Help us. Please, stir, keep your hands up. Stir hunger in your people for your word, God. It's wisdom and life to their bones. It's, it's navigation, it's tools for life. Holy Spirit, stir it up in us, I pray. a fresh hunger for the Word, for the Bible. Thank you that you've given us the Bible. Now please, Holy Spirit, help train our will, our flesh, and our mind to be inclined to the Word of God, to be in pursuit of of, of the life that's in your word. Help us, Holy Spirit. I ask for an increase in the appetite in Jesus' name. And all guilt and, all, all, all guilt and condemnation, we just say, go away in Jesus' name. Just freedom and joy and discovery and adventure in finding out that you love us, God, as we spend time in the word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All righty. Let me know if something happens there. Something, all right? Hey, if you do have your Bible with you or you have your, um, your, your, your smartphone with your Bible on it, please open it up to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. I'm just going to read a small section here in Genesis chapter 1 uh, from uh, verse 26 and um, through to um, just through to uh, 30 or 31. Now this is the end of the creation story. So God's made all of the creation and and now he comes to uh, the pinnacle of his creation and he creates humankind. He creates humanity. Um, So let's just read there in verse 26 of chapter 1 in Genesis. It says, And then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, And let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all of the creatures that move along the ground. So God made man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I'll give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds of the air, and all of the creatures that move on the ground, Everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Um, I'm not sure if, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure most of us in here have probably somewhere along the line been to uh, Suncorp Stadium, and out the front, there's these wonderful bronze statues. Uh, one of King Wally, holding the shield over his head, Wally Lewis, you know, you see him on, on the news, reading on Channel 9 News. Um, Wally Lewis and, and uh, Alfie Langer's up there now. Is it Alfie or Artie? It's Artie uh, and Oh, sorry, and Lockyer, and Lockyer, not Langer. Um, Lockyer. So um, there's, there's these fantastic sculptures. And um, I actually know one of the guys that um, did the work on um, Darren Lockyer's sculpture, his bronze image. But what happens is when you go to Suncorp Stadium and you look at, say, for example, this bronze statue of Wally Lewis, all of a sudden for those who are football fans you you get these memories of Wally you get drawn into who Wally Lewis was or is you get drawn into the story of who Wally Lewis was and and that's the, that's the work of the of the um you know the the bronze statue it's to it's it's made in, an, in a likeness of Wally Lewis, so that when you see the statue, you think it's Wally, and you get drawn into the reality of Wally Lewis. So the, the statue's job is one of likeness, so that it reflects who Wally Lewis is. Well, <clears throat> for us... When God made us, according to the story here in Genesis, the Genesis account, he made us in the likeness of. And he made us in the likeness of himself. So right from the get-go, the, the simple understanding of if you if you want to know who you are, and, and, and if you hold a... A, a, a kingdom, biblical worldview. The place to begin is, you have to understand, you've been made in such a way that you bear the likeness of and you're made in the image of your creator, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How how amazing is that? So like if I'm standing here and I'm, I'm looking at Darren here, front row, there you go. I'm looking at Darren here. And so as I'm looking at Darren, what this scripture tells me is there is something so amazing about who he is as a creation of God that just his very presence reflects to me and tells me who God is. Now, just take, take a minute, maybe turn around, have, have a bit of a look at the people in the room. Just have a, let your eyes have a bit of a wander, and look who's in the room. It's okay, you don't have to be embarrassed. Just have a look. The embarrassment didn't come till after the fall, okay? So pre the fall, they just, every, you know, they just look at each other. Wow, look at them. They're amazing. They're, they're, these people are amazing. Just wonderful creations of God. In the likeness of. Now, we tend to get caught up in just the physical likeness. We get stuck at that level. And we say, well, looking at Darren, is that what God looks like on a physical level? You'd be more worried if you look like David. <laughs> yeah. He does, right, it's a bro. In the image of, in the likeness of. In the likeness of, we get we get stuck at the physical level. Now, at the physical level, yes, somehow in the mystery of all of that, we do. Our, our very physical being reflects the fact that there is a Maker, that He loves us, and that He thought it was good for us to be here. Okay, but also on another level, in the image of God, in the likeness of God, is also a relational dynamic. So the, the, the creator here is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's a trinity at work here. And they're in this amazing relationship. And out of the, the love of this relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, out of the love that's going on there comes this wonderful extension of their love, which is you and me, humanity. It's all coming out of. So there's a relational dynamic there. So we've been geared internally in our soul, which you know is our will, our emotions, our mind, our heart, the seat of our uh, creativity in here. All of that has been geared to be in the likeness of God, relationally as well. Hence, we p- pursue relationship. Hence, we've been built, not to be alone. And we see the cry of Adam in Genesis chapter 2 a little bit later on there where in, the, in the Genesis 2 account of the creation story where Adam's going, I, I, I've named all the animals, but I'm, I'm alone. That's because in the likeness of God, he's been created for relationship. And hence God hears his cry and has makes a helpmate for him, Eve. But for you and me <coughs> to be made in the image of or in the likeness of, it means that when the rest of the world looks at us, they see something so amazing. They can sense the presence of God. Have you ever been, you know, like, well, I remember in um, late 90s, Nicole and I, we spent some time at a school of ministry in California. And when we were there, what just overwhelmed us with the, 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 the men and the women that were speaking to us, at, at this three-month retreat or intensive school retreat center um, was that they would they would start telling the most amazing intimate encounters that they had with Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit. And in the, the mix of all that, we'd just be caught up in that and we'd go, I want what you have. I want that kind of relationship. I want to know God like you know God. you ever been around people like that? You ever been around people like that? Maybe you've been praying alongside someone who tends to have a pretty good strike rate at healing the sick and you kind of go, gosh, I I want to be like that too. I want to have that kind of life as well. Well, that's what it's meant to be like when the world lives alongside you and me in our workplaces, when people come into our homes, the way we drive on the road. (laughs) Somehow, in the mix of all of that, the way we use our resources, like I, we, we, we have some extended family, Nicole and I have got some extended family, and they just don't get, they can't understand why we would want to be generous with our money towards God and his kingdom. They, can't, they just don't get it. But that's another area of our life that gets touched, that's coming out of being in the likeness of God. Um, who's been to Madame, Madame Tussard's? You ever been to Madame Tussauds? Some of those waxworks are just like you have to almost look twice. It's like they are so like the person that they've been modelled on or made made on. This is what Genesis is trying to tell us: we have been made in the likeness of God. Now, what's really interesting is that if you in in reading that is that. Um, If we truly understand who we are and who we we come from, who we belong to, if we truly understand that, we will have no question about what we're for, what we're purposed for. None. And yet, so much of our life is spent in trying to find happiness in our work somehow maybe if i just got a new job i'd be happy or maybe if i just got a stellar income or increase in wages then i'd be happy or maybe if uh the kids would behave better when i talk to them maybe i'd be happy um we 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 try and find our 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 happiness or our sense of self in what we do Therein is the mistake because we're trying to find our identity through what we do. But it's the other way around. Quite clearly here in the book of Genesis, God does what? Let's make them in our image. He makes them and then he commissions them. He says, now you will go and rule over. You'll have reign. Here's your purpose coming out of who I've said you are. Purpose flows out of identity, and if we don't know who we are, we'll spend a lot of time, energy, and resource working hard purposefully in the hope that we'll discover one day who we are. You ever been caught in that one? I know I have. If we're caught up trying to find our purpose in the busyness of workplace satisfaction or um, financial gain or um, sense of, of joy in external things, maybe a, a, a an increase, or maybe if my life partner would somehow you know change, then I'll be I'll be better. If we're living in that space, then we don't know who we are. Then we really don't know who we are. Often we try and gain our identity from what we do, but it's clear in Genesis one here twenty six. God says, "Let us make." man in our image, in our own likeness, and let them rule over. Identity releases purpose. Are you hearing me? I hope we're getting this. Because if we can't get this building block, we're in all sorts of strife. And the enemy is given to us not getting this building block. It's simple truth according to the Bible our original identity can be simply summed up as this we are image bearers of God and our purpose and our destiny is to do God's stuff in the earth made by him and for him but like I mentioned earlier When our house got robbed, the enemy also robs humanity of their true identity. In Genesis chapter 3, a little bit further over there in Genesis chapter 3, there's this encounter where the enemy, manifesting as a serpent, comes and starts to sell lies and doubt and confusion to Adam and Eve. Now, if you've got your Bible there, uh, let me quickly read this to you. Um, Verse 1, chapter 3. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from that tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will surely die. You, the serpent says, You will not surely die, he said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Now, just underline or maybe highlight there It says there in verse 5, And you will be like God. What's the lie? You already are. So the enemy's trick is to sell you nothing and get you to line up with it. He's selling air, but he's obviously a good salesperson (laughs) because The story of Adam and Eve is our story too. We buy the lie. We buy the lie. We purchase the lie. We forget who gives us our identity. We take ourselves and we no longer align ourselves with our maker and we go, well, maybe, well, I might be, what's God God doing? He's holding out on me. He's holding out on me. When the truth of the matter was they were already made in the likeness, in the relational capacity, in the image of God. See, the enemy doesn't want you to follow him. He just wants to sow into your own insecurity about who you really are and have you buy into that. See, what happened for Adam and Eve, what transpired from that moment was, a, was as a result of their choosing to align themselves with a false truth, if there is such a thing. The work of the enemy is to lie to you and to me as to our identity. And we can see that both Adam and Eve buy into the lie and they agree. They give their agreement. And it leads them down a pathway of act, activity. Activity. Don't think that agreeing with a lie won't lead anywhere. It does. And it will lead into a lifestyle. They got busy eating and touching what they shouldn't eat and touch for their own well being. But it left them and their relationship with God broken, it left them isolated. It left them isolated from God. It left them broken with each other. It left them isolated from each other. And it left them broken and isolated from God's creation and their purpose and function in God's good creation. This is why identity is so important. The Bible teaches us that all the enemy did was present a lie about identity. And that lie was believed as truth. And when lies are believed as truth, they release action. We've all been born into this brokenness of identity confusion and isolation. And it's into this that the Father's love is furiously at work, pouring in the revelation of Jesus so that identity can be restored. In Luke chapter 19 verse 10... You might want to quickly flick there. Luke 19, chapter 10, is this verse. It says, For the Son of Man, that is Jesus, came to seek and to save what was lost. See, this is why God has come in Jesus, to, to show us what we were meant to always be. And not just to show us and go, look, here's the golden carrot you're meant to look like and live like, but that in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, and in his ongoing ministry today, we too can now have that life experience of being, knowing who we are in God, with each other, and our place in the world. This is good news. There's a whole bunch of people that haven't heard. This is good news. Identity releases purpose and function. You could read this in Luke chapter 3, verse 21 to 22. You could read it in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 to 17. You could read it in Mark chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. It's the baptism of Jesus. Before he's done anything, he's 30 years of age before he's done any public demonstration of the kingdom, of healing the sick or feeding the poor or casting out demons or proclaiming the the kingdom of God is at hand, before any of that's happened, Jesus goes and is baptised to fulfil the law. You can read up on that. I won't go into unpacking it. But what's important is that when Jesus is baptised, the Gospels tell us something very powerful happened. And the gospel writers wrote it down. And they said that when Jesus was baptized and he came up out of the water, it said it was like the Spirit of God, like a a dove, came upon him and a voice from heaven was heard saying, You are my son and with you, I'm well pleased. Now, later on, when he's on the Mount, uh, Mount Tran- he's been transfigured, uh, where Moses and Elijah rock up on the top of the mountain, that experience, same deal. The voice of the Father speaks again over Jesus and says, This is my son whom, with whom I'm well pleased. But he adds this little tag he says, And it will do you good to listen to him. Before Jesus did anything, he needed to hear. Just like you and me as human beings, he needed to hear who he was. He needed to receive his identity. And once he got it, I mean, at this point, I think Jesus was like, he really got it. He knew who he was because from this moment on, The story tells us, the account of Jesus' life tells us that he was thrust into the desert by the Holy Spirit into a season of conflict and confrontation with the enemy. And he came through that testing. In in Luke chapter 4 it tells us he came through that testing back into Jerusalem in the power of the Spirit. In the power of knowing That when the Father spoke over him at his baptism, the Spirit came upon him and secured his identity to confront the enemy, to take back that which was stolen, to show the world this is what true living means when you really understand who you are. He went into every circumstance, like situations like there's not enough food, that's okay. Because my father has all of the resources of heaven, and I'm his son. So let's just put on the table what we've got, and I'm going to give thanks to my father. And you watch what happens. That's all right. My father loves a good party, and he's concerned that you're out of wine, and so is my mum. So let me turn that water into wine. Jesus is concerned that guy that just continues to hound your life or that person that continues to hound your life and they're just, just frustrated because of all of the demonic stuff that's on their life and they just keep pounding you and pounding you and pounding you. Mark chapter 5, Jesus steps into the Garadine demoniac's life and says, "Right, all that stuff of the enemy out in, go into the pig's. And the man is set free and in his right mind. This is what life is meant to look like. Where, where we, can, we, can, we can, like the woman at the well in John chapter 4, who's, who's caught in all sorts of relational dysfunction and social isolation and all of that that's attributed to that. And all of the hearsay and innuendo. And Jesus says, I want you, that woman to give him a drink. He wanted to be in her presence. And he completely set her life free. And the whole village that she came from, who'd heard about her encounter with Jesus. This is what life looks like when we live from who our Father and Creator says we are. If life's not looking like that, if we're still busy trying to purposefully figure it out and it's hard i know it's hard we live in a world that measures everything on performance and attitude everything but it's a it's across the grain of that, that the good news of jesus comes and says i've come to restore what's been lost i've come to bring it back and that he's done and there is a, a fullness here for you and me to be able to, to walk in as image bearers. Now, I, I'm just going to finish with this. In Romans, I just want to quickly read in Romans chapter 6, I want to read some stuff to you. Because a, a, a lot of the time, we kind of look at the life of Jesus and we go, oh, he did that for me or he did that for you or he did that for all of creation in other words his life ministry death resurrection ascension and pouring out of the spirit he he did that for but paul's language is not he did that for you you listen to paul's language here in romans chapter 6 and i'm going to pick up in verse uh, verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, Through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been, what's that next word? United with Him. Those who truly know who they are, people who have a strong identity, they understand that when Jesus was doing this, they were doing this. That's why Paul wrote in Galatians 2.20, It's no longer me that lives. I've been crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. And the life I live, I now live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Complete identification. Not, oh, he did it for... Like, like an observation. No. When Jesus was on the cross, Paul's saying, I was on the cross. When Jesus was in the grave, I was in the grave. When Jesus rose to new life, I've been caught up into the power and the hope of that for both today and for my eternal well-being. It's complete identification. It's complete union. That's, that's, that's what... That's what was so wonderful the other weekend when we did all those baptisms and, you know, when people were going under the water and coming up, it was a complete identification with the new you. The new you. Jesus didn't just do it for us. He did it with us. For all who would have the eyes to see and the heart to say thank you. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be a slave to sin. No longer do we have to be a slave to the lies of the enemy about who we are. We don't have to be a slave to what he says anymore. Because anyone who's died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we also believe we we, uh, we believe that we will also live with Christ, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again, and death no longer has mastery over him. The death get this the death he died. He died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, says Paul. Count yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. Count yourself dead to sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Count that old who you were dead and alive to God in Jesus Christ. There's a, there's a wonderful scripture um, uh, in, um, in Corinthians. It talks about the transforming effect. I'll just quickly read this scripture to you. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5.17, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. Let me just... Actually, can we, can we read this out loud together? I think that would be really good for our heart and, and our head to hear it. So whatever version you got is fine. But um, let's read this together. So it's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And read it like it's good news. Because it is. Because it is. It's good news. Read it like it's good news. Not like you read the everyday courier mail. Don't read it like that. Don't read it like the financials in the Australian. Don't read it like that. Read it like the Word of God. Read it like the Word of God. This is good news. Are we ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, I just want you, if you've got an NIV version, circle the word behold. In other words, that's where you need to spend your time, energy, and focus. Beholding the new you because the old has passed away don't behold the old that's passed away behold the new don't behold the old it's passed away with all the lies of the enemy and for everyone that said yes to jesus the old ended here right here Behold the new, behold the new you. The reality of Jesus gives you your identity to restore to you that you are an image bearer of God, made to reflect his amazingness in the world, (laughs) that when people look at you, they go, man, there's something so profoundly different about you. The way you make choices, the way you care, the way you love, the way you worship, the way you do the gardening, there's something different about you. You reflect the likeness of God. This morning, um, we're going to minister into uh, beholding the new you.